0: I um <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> I have uh, preached at a number of churches and as well as my own, uh, definitely a number of times. And it never fails that before it is time to preach, I get anxious. Like, hurry up, hurry up, come on! I'm ready, I'm ready. It's busted out of me. Hurry up. And that's normally because, you know, we sing for half an hour to an hour. And then somebody testifies, and, and we collect the offering, and, and that's a ministry in itself. And you all moved so fast, I wasn't ready. <laughs> but amen. I am glad to be here. I do want to thank Pastor Caleb and Pastor John for extending the invitation and accepting me as I am. You all all need to know they don't know me at all. None of y'all know me except for the New Story people, and so I thank God with the New Story saints, and so I thank God for each and every one of you all accepting and receiving me. Um, I do want to give honor to God this morning, to the spirit of Of the living God in this house and in this place. I want to acknowledge my wife and my son, who incidentally I had him standing on my lap and he reared back and hit me in the lip with his head. So I think my elocution is not going to be that great this morning. (laughs) But to that end, if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bible apps or whatever the case may be, please turn with me to First Peter. The second chapter. Um, And I would love if you're sitting next to somebody. This is how we kind of do it. If you're sitting next to somebody who does not have a Bible, please share with them. Let them look on your phone. It's all right. Let them look on your tablet. Let them look over your shoulder. And I know you all say, there's nothing up there. Why is there nothing up there? Um, You know, the Lord has been working with me all week. So when it was asked of me, I was like, "I, I don't know yet. You know, we, are, we are not contending in the spirit, but I am waiting on the Spirit. Um, and I actually thought I told oh Pastor Caleb what the passage of scripture was. I did not have a title. I don't know if this that I want to share with you is the title, but I'll say it anyway, I think because uh, we want to frame our focus. but until then, let us again look at First Peter chapter 2.) <clears throat> If you have it, just smile at me if you, want, if you don't want to say amen. <laughs> and if you don't mind, um, ver- looking, starting at verse 20, I'll read from the King's James, but if you follow along in whatever translation, we would all appreciate that. For what glory is it? Chapter 2, verse 20. For what glory is it, if when ye are buffeted for your fault, ye shall take it patiently, but if, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, then it is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow His steps. Now, these next few verses, I want to look at. I want us to look at that meditatively. It said in verse twenty-one, Christ has called us to follow in his steps. Verse 22. Who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, He threatened not. He committed himself to him that judgeth righteousness. Who his own self bear our sins. His own self bear our sins in his own body. On the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. I need to go back. Because not only are we asked to follow after his steps in his suffering, but we are asked to follow after his steps as our example. And so I repeat, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your soul. And I think I want to just extend to us this text. I have suffered long enough. I have suffered long enough. Father, we honor you, Lord God, for your word. Now, we pray, God, that you would break it and bless it and then share it with each of us this morning. Multiply it and magnify it, God, and make it manifest Holy and fully, revelationally and relationally in our lives, because our desire is to engage you in the Spirit and then be changed by that engagement, and it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of y'all know that God uses controversy to engage us cognitively? He uses controversy to engage us conscious, co- cognitively. It's like he, he's speaking to the woman at the well and he's talking about her relationships and he's talking about drinking water just to get her engaged to change her life. How many of y'all look for God to work miracles for the change that you seek, and not to process you with the whole of your being? so that you are in unity with what the Holy Spirit is doing. Is that fair? Because he's calling us to not just always be on the surgery table and let him cut out what he's trying to cut out of us, but to actually engage us in our process of maturation, engage us in the process of making us holy and righteous, engage us in the process of then... Cognitively going out into the streets and going out into the world and winning souls to Christ. And so, if we were puppets, we wouldn't really give him the glory because we would not have anything to give him the glory for because we wouldn't be experiencing what he's got got us going through. Is that all right? So, he, he uses controversy to engage us cognitively so that our minds are engaged. We were in worship service in August in Chicago. and it was one of those worship services that turned into a healing and deliverance service. And you all know what I'm talking about, right? I love that I ask that question and people are looking at me like, oh. <laughs> but it was a kind of service where people were crying and people were falling out and, and literally uh, there was a crying out as as, 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 as sins were being healed and delivered, brokenness and rejection and hurt and abuse and anger and woundedness. And people were just laying before the Lord and, and, and crying out because they were letting the Holy Spirit do something in their lives. And so um, uh, it was the kind of service where people weren't coming to the altar. I had to walk around the room and, and the ministers that were serving were walking around the room and laying on hands and prophesying and the Spirit of the Lord was high. And then somebody uh, got my attention from across the room and said, come here, come pray for this woman. And so I go over there, and as I'm walking over there, the Holy Spirit said, this is not what you are used to, what I'm about to do now. You are not going to lay on hands and knock her out and lay her on the floor and and, 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 and lay a sheet over her. This is not what's about to happen. I said, okay. And so I had to then talk to her at the altar and say, what's going on? And she started to share with me what, what, why she was asking for prayer. She'd been engaged in some stuff and had been asking God, I want to be delivered. I don't want to do this anymore. And, and every time I, I ask him and every time I'm tempted, I fall in. Every time I'm, I'm encouraged, I fall back. Every time, And I know the word. I know God. I know he loves me. And I love him too. And I don't want to live like this. And I, I want to live holy. And I, I want to be free from sin. And she was just breaking this all down to me. And she was getting upset. Why won't God deliver me? Why won't God take this from me? And God told me something. He reminded me something I had to tell her. And what he said was, I Am maturing you. You all heard the word endurance and perseverance, right? How many of y'all like to persevere? How many of y'all like to endure? God is saying, if I delivered you from it, you would have that testimony. Yeah. Yeah. You would, you would, you would appreciate it. Yeah. But you can only give me glory, you could only give me praise. But if I let you go through it and walk it out with you, if I, if I let you experience the temptation and then show you in my scripture, in my word, who I am, so that you can use that word as a nugget of truth and a place of strength to get you to the next step. If I can engage you tonight so that you'll, you'll resist the devil so that he can flee. And then next week, if I engage you again through the same thing, but you have learned to resist the devil so he can flee, that's how I mature you. Is that all right? Where are my weightlifters at? Nobody raised their hand. Don't worry, I'm not a weightlifter either. You can tell. But ain't nobody walking in the gym in the front door and walking out the back door buffed. It takes work. Maturity takes work. And so God is, God told me to tell her, I am maturing you, so you've got to go through this. And yes, I know you're angry. And yes, I know you hurt. And yes, I understand that you think I've forsaken you. And yes, yes, I understand that you think that I am not hearing you, but that's not what's going on. I am engaging you cognitively so that you can mature. Books come through this process of maturation. Great ministry comes through this process of maturation. If I just delivered you, you wouldn't have a story, you wouldn't have a testimony, you just have a praise. But when I take you through this, you have a praise, you have power, you have a word from the Lord, you have a prophetic insight, you are mature. Ecclesiastes 7 and 8, and I love this verse, I love this verse, he gave it to me that weekend, he said, The end of a thing is better than the beginning. And that was fair. That was was love, right? Yeah. But then he said something else to me about her that then he showed me in this scripture. He said, a patient spirit is better than a prideful spirit. We have this problem telling God how we want it, pride. We have this issue with saying, God, it has to be like this or I can't serve you, pride. God, it it must be like this, it must sound like this, I must make it, it must feel like this in my spirit, It it must look exactly like I envisioned it in that painting when I went to the Art Institute, pride, oh my goodness. And God says, I have been God all these millennia, why am I going to yield my strength, my power, my wisdom, my insight, my omniscience, my omnipresence to you who I have created? God says, pride is getting in the way of my process in your life. I need you to have patience. I need you to wait on me. And I had to tell this to her. And, and she was so mad. You know, this was, again, Oaks was crying all over the place. She was so mad. She was like, uh uh-uh. Mm. Uh-uh. She ain't shed a tear yet. I said, yeah, this really is Holy Spirit going to be one of these situations. See, she is fighting it. <laughs> but then the Holy Spirit took me to Paul in second corinthians and simply told me to remind her that his grace is sufficient because in maturity paul said i could have been exalted pride could have been my issue but god gave me this thorn in the flesh then i asked him three times to get rid of me and god said no man my grace is sufficient i'm sorry i added that man For those that are going to be looking for that in the Bible. God said, no, my grace is sufficient for thee. Why? Because we we love grace that is saving grace. We don't appreciate grace that is the ability of God in spite of our perceived inability. I love that. The ability of God in spite of our perceived inability. It is God saying, you don't think you can do it, but my grace is sufficient. You don't think you can endure, but my grace is with you in this moment. You don't think you can hold on and you letting that pride show up, but it is my grace that is right here. It is not even a full membrane away. And so if you just reach out and take hold to my grace, you can hold on a little bit longer through this process. And some of us have said for years, I have suffered long enough. And God is saying, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. So I, I just want us to be reminded, and I say us because I never preach without putting myself out there in the chairs. I'm, in fact, I'm sitting on the front row. To remind us that God is trying to mature us. He is trying to mature us. And why is he trying to mature us? Pastor Caleb, I, I've been processing something all week and trying to figure out how it was going to fit in this sermon. And it now fits and it makes sense. Because they say you all are in a desert. This is a, 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 a church desert. Y'all heard that before? I, I know I heard it because I ain't from here. <laughs> that this is a desert. And there are three types of pastors that pastor in a desert. Some that go... It's like, I ain't got no place else to go. They look like they need some churches. Let me go on out here in the Seattle, Renton, Skyway, Federal Way area. They're sent. So God tells them, as he told me, I want you to go out there. I ain't even fighting. I was like, all right. Because I ain't had no job at the time, so why stay? (laughs) Or they live there. And so... These three types of pastors, I I believe, have one purpose in the desert. And that is to be the oasis for those that have need. Now, when I say oasis, you're probably thinking water of refreshing. And yeah, I am. But I'm also talking about being that place for strength, of of strength for those that are in need. So, I am very familiar with churches having what I will call a revolving door. Because people come in and they go out. They come in and they go out. They don't stay long. Because in a desert, ain't no plants trying to be planted. Ain't no trees trying to take root. Think about that. You can't go into the rainforest and take a flourishing, thick-leafed, heavy canopy plant and bring it, or tree, and bring it into the desert, and it, it will survive. No, because plants can't live in that kind of env- environment. Trees can't live in that kind of environment. Plants that are in in in, in deserts and animals that are in deserts have very, very specific. Uh, what's the word? Uh, 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 adaptation. You all have very specific adaptations. You have very specific adaptations. New story, Harambe, you all have very specific adaptations. And so your ability to stay and to thrive and to minister and to grow and see things happen is is God-ordained. And so you'll have people say, I have suffered long enough, and you are there to be the oasis for these people. And so, yes, they're going to come, and they're going to go back out. And I'm sure you have seen it, and I'm sure I dare say that you've probably been hurt by it. They just come to get some water. They come to be poured into. They come to be strengthened. They come to be healed. They come to be restored. They come to understand that this is that process of maturation. But the reality is, those of you all that are still here, we, too have to go through this process of maturation. God is trying to mature us for those that are coming in for a season, for a moment, for a breath, for a wind of time. Anybody ever said, I've suffered long enough? Ain't nobody raising their hand. This is hilarious. (laughs) Philippians 3 and 10. Philippians 3 and 10 says that I may know him. In the power of his resurrection. and the fellowship of his suffering. Being made conformable unto his death. That I may know him. In the power of his resurrection. In the fellowship of his suffering. Being made conformable to his death. So there is a death. A suffering. And another death. Who signed up for that? Death, suffering, and death. Nobody signed up. Y'all didn't join Harambe to die. Y'all didn't join Harambe, a new story to suffer. You all did not get saved so that you could suffer for Christ, die from your sins and iniquities. Y'all thought I was talking about physical death. And, and all that. No, 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 no. Because this is not about, actually kind of is. It is kind of about physical. <laughs> I, I, I can't lie. I didn't want to sugarcoat it too much. Because it really is about the physical suffering. It is about a measure of physical death, emotional death, but it's also that spiritual death. So anybody want to know Jesus? Then we have to know him In the power of his uh, uh, resurrection, which is preceded by a death, the fellowship of his suffering, but then be conformed unto his, his what? Death. Now, I threw it out there, and so I'm going to come back to it. What did I leave out? Thank you. Because there is always the promise of life again. Jesus, thank you. There is all, it it doesn't matter how hard the suffering, it does not matter how hard the night. There is always the promise of life again. There is always the promise of joy. There is always the promise of peace. There is always the promise of, of health. There is always the promise of his presence. There is always the promise of a resurrection. So even if you feel like you're dying in this season, know in the next season you'll be risen again. Know in three days you'll be back up. Know that he will never leave you or forsake you. And know that his grace is sufficient even in this time of suffering. And the reality is he has called us to just let go. Let him be God. Let him take you through the process and let him mature you. And so I encourage you, verse 14, the Philippians 3 uh, uh, 3 says, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling that of, uh, of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus, because he is one dealing with our pride, Two, in 2 Corinthians, he said, Paul said, glory in your infirmities because God is calling us to come to a place of praise. And so through this process of maturation, can anybody celebrate suffering? It's still quiet. Bless you, but it's all right process of maturation. Maturation says, maturity says that I will glory in my infirmities. I will celebrate in the midst of my suffering. I will praise him in the midst of my pain. And that is a sign of Christian maturity. That is a sign of discipleship that God is calling us to. Why? Because we need to be that level of mature when the people from the street come in and say, I'm suffering and I'm going through. They need to see us joyful and praising God, glorifying God, even when we know and they know that we're going through and it's hard and it's suffering. They need to see us rejoicing when the times are bad, rejoicing when the church is burning. I went and preached at a church. No, I spoke at a church. Actually, I just sitting in the altar. They asked me, to, I mean, on the pulpit, they asked me to speak and I really didn't want to. But I spoke at this church that had that was celebrating after their church burned. So they went a whole nother place. But can you Celebrate when you when it feels like the enemy has stolen everything? Can you celebrate when it feels like God has forsaken you? Because we're called to maturity. And so then we look here in, 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 uh, uh, um, uh, in, in Philippians, and then we're supposed to press. But what does that mean, press? If we got to crawl to touch the hem of his garment, we crawl. If we got to climb to get in his presence, climb the mountain, then we climb. Because we should press. Why should we press? Job said it best, and I said it to to you all last week. Job said it best, hearing I have heard of him, but seeing I now know him. Oh, I love that. Now, none of us, I pray, has ever had a Job experience. But all of our situations and all of our suffering are designed to do one thing. Let us see him. Because when we see him, we shall be like him. Is that fair? Does that make sense? Is anybody willing to suffer or go through to the point that all they're going to do is press to get in his presence? i 'm not going to quit i'm not going to fail see this is this is this is why this this chapter in uh, uh, Peter is so important because he ends talking about being sheep that were astray, and I read that and I read that and I've read that for years and i've always saw it as sheep noun going astray verb and then I read that this weekend and i didn't see that anymore I saw street who sheep who were astray uh, uh, uh what they call that a a a noun phrase. So that's actually you, what you're doing. And anytime the Bible talks about us, it tells us who we were before it tells us who we are. Jesus said, you walked in darkness, but now you are the children of light. Uh, 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 Ephesians said uh, said the same thing as a matter of fact. That, oh, and Ephesians also called us the children of disobedience, but now it said that we are children of righteousness, children of the covenant. This is the only place that I could think of, and I say, so it's really important to me that that it t- tells us who we were at the end of the chapter. But it already told us, Oh, yeah, it told us who we were at the end, but it already told us who we are in the beginning. You all know what I'm talking about? Verse 9 calls us the chosen generation, a royal priesthood a peculiar people. We have been suffering and going through like sheep. The world does it like sheep. The world does it like sheep. They, they, they get hooked on drugs because the, the, the suffering is too hard. They commit suicide because the, 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 the pain is too great. But we're called to suffer Like a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a a, a people with God's name in our hearts, God's word in our heart. To to go through like leader, to go through as mature men and women of God to go through knowing that his power is available to us, his love is available to us, that, that we're chosen. So he loves us, he accepts us, that, that he's got gifts for us and, and he's going to bring us through, that, that, that we are a royal priesthood, that I, there, is a, there is a place in worship that is set aside for me. There is a place in the sacrifice of praise that, that I have access to and that I have ownership of. That's who he has called us to be. That's how he's calling us to respond. I'm going to ask you all again. Anybody ever said, I've suffered long enough? I want us to now, now, accept the controversy of suffering. The controversy of suffering. So I'm going to take it a step further. Have you ever suffered for doing right? I'll pause and let you think about that. Have you ever suffered for doing right? I ask that because we've got to go back to Peter. As Peter said in verse 20, if you are buffeted for your salt and you take it patiently, if you suffer for failure and take it patiently, that's good, that's all right. If you do wrong and get a whooping, and you accept that whooping if you do wrong and get time out (laughs) and accept time out yeah, that's good but if you do well and you are buffeted if you do well and you suffer and wait patiently that is acceptable unto God and so I want us me included, I want us to say okay God if this is my season of suffering, ask him, then what are you doing? Anybody ever ask God that? What are you doing? And not like, God, what are you doing? i like, okay, God, as your disciple, as your servant leader, what are you doing? Why am I going through this right now? Who is this for in addition to me? Who am I going to help with it? Why you got me journaling this pain and this process? Why you got me up at four in the morning, three in the morning in prayer? Who I got to talk to? Who I got to share this process with? I know somebody who goes through something and they know immediately that it's not theirs. They don't own it. So God, teach me how not to own this pain. Teach me how not to own this process. Teach me how not to accept it as, as as if it's an attack against me, but to accept it as it is a process where I will be getting stronger, where I will be getting better, where I will be getting more mature, and where I will grow in the spirit of our God. God, God, pro- help me process it so that I can then be a, a prism to radiate it throughout this community. Share it with my children. Help my children learn from my mistake. I I, I told my students, I teach in in a middle school, and I told my students there are three types of people. Dumb people, smart people, and wise people. And some of them got mad at me because I said the word dumb. Kind language, Mr. (laughs) Hooks. But the word was, dumb people do not learn from their mistakes. Smart people learn from their mistakes, but wise people learn from other people's mistakes. And so God, teach me how to teach my children how to be wise through this process. God, help me protect my sons. Help me protect my daughters so that they don't go through the abusive relationships that I went through, the the, uh, addictive relationships and the addictive experiences that I've had, the, the broken experiences that I've had. Or at least help me share with them what I learned. So that if they happen to fall in that same thing, they hear my voice through the process. This is what you should do. This is what God did. This is what his word said. Breathe life into me and into my situation so that I can breathe that very same life and even more so in the lives of the children around me, in the lives of the the people around me. God, help me so that I can help my siblings. Help me even so that I can help my parents be better parents and be stronger parents and walk with you and and, and be healed and not be hard-hearted and not be broken. God, bless me in such a way. Teach me in such a way. Grow me up in such a way so that I can reflect your glory in my home in my community, in my workplace so that I can live the Bible out loud without shame. That I don't have any shame telling folks, I am a Christian. I am a believer. I am am filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit and I am not ashamed. I am a peculiar person set aside. But even more so, and I love that he says this, I am free. I am free from shame. I am free from guilt. I am free from the power of this pain and the power of this suffering. I am free from the weight of it because I have the weight and the glory and the splendor of God upon me. I am free from your your criticism and I am free from your ridicule. I am free from your verbal and mental and emotional abuse because I am mature in him. I dwell in him and he dwells in me. And and when I I experience something, my, my posture and my process is to go to him first. So God, help me to not respond so quickly in my emotions and in my anger. Respond so quickly in my foolishness and in my ignorance. Respond so quickly in the flesh and in my lust. But help me, Lord, stop and pause and wait patiently because you said a patient spirit is better than a prideful spirit. Some of us, you just need to let God embrace you. (sighs) We just need to let God embrace us. And sometimes his embrace is to stop us and sometimes his embrace is to love us. A, there is a Hebrew, no, a Latin, I think it's Latin, word for God, and it is Patrice, Osculum Patrice et Philippe. It is the kiss of the Father and the Son. Sometimes we need to just let Him kiss us. Anybody have been mad and your spouse kissed you and just changed everything? Where's my wife at? Hey, girl. At this point, show of hands, who's walked with the Lord over 10 years? I love it. I love it. And I want you all to know this is not an indictment on anybody. Not one person in this room. This is not an indictment. This is not an accusation or an accuser of anything. This is a word of encouragement, a word of empowerment. That tomorrow, when the sun rises, Anybody wake up and actually beats the sun up? <laughs> Some of y'all already mad. He's talking about work already. I was in the spirit. <laughs> Tomorrow when the sun comes up, may your prayer, may your thought be that you take the four corners of this day and shake out every blessing and shake out every pain. So that you receive the more of God, the pleroma of God. And that that which the enemy will try to send to thwart his plan over your life, you see it, you discern it, and you reject it and resist it. Some of y'all even need to make that decision right now. Because you know you're going home to something that you you have been uh, detesting for years. I pray that you walk in the power that is yours by the adoption of sons, that you walk in the power that you can speak into into an environment and it must change. Because the power of God that created everything around you is now in you, resting, and it abides. And if it's not in you, in your heart, may it at least be on your tongue and you speak it with conviction so that the enemies of your destiny see that you are real and that you are strong and that you are mighty in him. I pray that your ability to resist the devil grows and multiplies manifold in the next three days. Hour. The next three hours before you eat again, before you put your, lay your head down to get ready for work. I pray that you begin to sense change and discern the shift in your own life. And I pray that you are persuaded that you are all that God has said you were. You are not just a sheep led astray to the slaughter. You are not just the sheep who was just created to bleat as you got beat. No, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priest. You are a child of the king and all power that is in his hand is available to each one of us. You are a servant leader of God. And yeah, you will suffer no more you won't see it as suffering. You will see it as growing. You will see it as mature. You will see it as an opportunity to praise him, to worship him, to give him glory, to reflect his glory. You will see it as an opportunity to be poured into so that you can share now your experiences with others and pour into them. And you will be a disciple making disciple. And you will love, you will, you will glory in an opportunity to experience something afresh and anew through God. And I believe God for it over this house, over both of these houses, over all of these lives. In Jesus' name, amen.